This is James from Podcast.co, and you're listening to Meet the Podcasters, a series where we sit down with podcasting experts to discuss how the industry is changing and what it takes to create a successful show that stands out among the noise. In this interview, we speak with longtime podcaster Evo Terra. First of all, Evo, I just wanted to say we're, we're really glad to have the opportunity to chat with you. You're someone who's been in podcasting since day one, pretty much. You've written multiple books. You speak at podcasting events around the world. Uh, and you're one of those people who really stands out within the podcasting community. So we're really glad to have the opportunity to speak with you today. Uh, just so our listeners are, are aware, could you briefly explain what's been your main focus in podcasting over the years and what you've devoted most attention yeah, to? Yeah, happy to. And, th- and thanks again for having me, James. Uh, you did a pretty good intro. I mean, I have been doing this almost since the beginning. Not quite day one, but October 14th, 2004. So that's pretty mm. darn close to a, something that got started in the summer of 2004. You, you asked where my, my focus is. Uh, it's it's shifted quite a lot, to, to be honest. When I started podcasting, I already had uh, a radio show. And it was an internet radio show, so it was very simple for us to take advantage of this new distribution medium, which was which was how we looked at it. We were syndicated on a handful of terrestrial stations as well as XM satellite radio, so this just seemed like an easier way for our listeners that weren't XM subscribers or who weren't in the handful of markets where we were broadcasting to to get our content. And and so that's how it started. Mm-hmm. But I quickly realized, wow, this is this is something special. This isn't just resyndication of radio content. This is a new format, a new form, and it's going to allow new people to new, do new things. So one of the first um, areas that I, I attacked was that radio show I was doing. We were interviewing authors, some really big authors like Arthur C. Clarke and Ray Bradbury, big, big sci-fi authors, but a lot of underpublished authors because this was happening at a time podcasting started before Amazon sold ebooks. And so if you were an author, you didn't really have an option or you had very few options to get your books in the hands of people. You had to either impress a big agent to pick up your book and publish it or you would have to go down the self-publishing route which was tiny back in the 2004 time frame. There just wasn't much wasn't much option there for you. Well, podcasting allowed suddenly these authors who wanted to do so to have a new distribution method. So I helped them Mm. start putting together podcast versions of their books. The author would sit and read his or her book one chapter at a time and release it over a period of weeks until the the book was was finished and completed. So it was a fun experiment. I think at the heyday we had around 700 different books that were available in podcast form. The, the company I started was called podiobooks.com, so a blending of podcasting and, and audiobooks, podiobooks.com. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think we had like, oh gosh, at the, at the height, we had around 2 million episodes going out every single, every single month, which was a really, really big number. So that was kind of exciting. Um, but th- th- from there, I kind of got out of podcasting. I, I not really got out of it. I, I kind of like took a step back. I mean, um, and where I'm at now, back in you know, kind of fast forward to the future, these days I, I run a busy production company. I, I produce podcasts for businesses all around the world. And our focus, or my, my clients all want to have a podcast, but don't want to become podcasters themselves. So they're happy to, uh, to turn over a lot of the things they don't know to me. <laughs> so, so that's what, that's what yeah. me and my, and my team uh, help them do. 
So that's how the the money comes in for podcasting. But what that really allows me to do, James, is I want to make podcasting better. I am on a mission to make podcasting better. And that's what I go and speak mm-hmm. at conferences about. And that's what my four times a week podcast is all about called Podcast Pontifications. It's all about ways we can make podcasting better. That That's my mission. That's my charge. And so that's the, the message I'm bringing to the people is what are the things we need to do as working podcasters to make sure we're making podcasts better? Basically, I did want to focus on the current state of podcasting and exactly what you said, what can be done to to help it get better and grow and improve and reach new audiences. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think to provide some context, I thought it would be good to briefly just run through how we got to where we are today. Um, so obviously, uh, smartphones and 4G have obviously massive hel- massively helped with the, the growth of the popularity of podcasting. They made it more accessible than ever. Uh, but from your perspective, what are the other significant developments that have kind of gotten the industry to where it is today, where it has all this attention and kind of hype around it, uh, essentially. So all of us podcasters today, we we owe a huge debt of gratitude to Apple. I mean, even if we're Android users, Mm -hmm. you have to recognize that if it were not for Apple supporting podcasting back in the summer of 2005, we would not be where we are today. As soon as they integrated podcast, anybody could submit their podcast to Apple, to iTunes back in the day. It wasn't even Apple Podcast. Mm-hmm. That was the big driving factor. And almost every inflection point since then has been Apple-focused. Then they brought out the iPhone. And suddenly, the distribution method, the RSS feeds and all that, were built into the same device you were listening to. No longer did you have to sync up your products, which we had to originally. You know, Back in the day, you subscribed mm-hmm. to an RSS feed, but then the files downloaded onto your computer, you had to transfer them to your mobile device iPhone changed all of that, and, then, and which means the smartphone changed all of that as well, which, as you mentioned previously. But the I think the non-Apple thing that was the big kicker uh, happened in 2014 when Serial hit the market, you know, the mm. big show that suddenly all the media sent, wait, th- this is the kind of thing you can do? These are the types of content mm. that we can get? We really can't get this content anywhere. Serial couldn't have been, I mean, I guess it could have been a miniseries. It would have taken an entire year to put together and probably cost 10 times as much. But it really opened up the public's eye to there's something in this podcasting space that is that is quite different. And now today, both of those things, the, the, the connectivity that you mentioned, smartphones, the ubiquity uh, of high bandwidth products and, and, and with big – like my phone has a terabyte of storage on it so I can download mm-hmm. lots and lots of content. <laughs> that coupled with bold new creators who are really making content that can't be consumed that, – that, that is specific to this medium, that really can't happen in other ways, is what I think is bringing a lot of people's attention. And of course, I guess if there's a third thing, it's Spotify and Pandora. You know, the other big companies mm-hmm. that are looking at this space saying, look, wait a minute, we have hundreds of millions of users who are consuming audio on our product, on our on our app, on our tools. Why do we not let podcasts in as well? So that's kind of the big driver I see of today and probably where it'll go tomorrow. As you pointed out, there there has been a lot to to bring up where we are today, um, but I don't know if you had a chance to to read that New York Times article that kind of discussed this concept of peak podcast, oh, yeah. which basically it argued that 
at the moment we're hitting a point of cultural exhaustion with podcasts where people are kind of getting increasingly fed up with mediocre content that's being put out there by people who get into podcasting because they kind of view it as a a get-rich-quick scheme or they want to just get into it because it seems like it's what everyone else is doing and they're rushing to get in there. Um, And I just wanted to get your assessment on that kind of concept of peak podcast, whether you think that's fair um, and what that means for the industry. Well, I think like everyone that read that article, it was a terrible headline. And and headlines Mm. are oftentimes terrible. They're written by somebody else that isn't the article writer and they're designed to get attention. And boy, howdy, did it get attention when you say we're at peak Mm. podcasting. But if you read the contents, and clearly you did because you, you brought up the point. The point of the article is that you can't just keep making crappy content and assume that it's going to reach millions of people. And that's, that's Sturgeon's law. 90% of everything is crap. And it applies to everything in life. Photography, blogging, art, everything out there. Most of it is utter and complete garbage. And if you really want to make a splash, you really want to get attention, you have to focus into the quality. You've got to make, you've got to put time, energy, and effort. This can't be a side project. Well, let me change that. It can be a side project. But it stays a side project. Mm -hmm. If you really want to address the medium and do things the right way, you have to focus. Because now, with the 750,000 shows we have, probably soon to be a million shows, people aren't spoiled for choice. Listeners have a lot of content. There is no way they can possibly consume all of the content that's out there. So quite naturally, Mm -hmm. the audience will gravitate towards things that sound great that are compelling, Mm. that are wonderful, and they're naturally going to probably shy away from content creators who aren't focused in on the craft of podcasting. Mm. Um, And I think it pointed out in the article, it mentioned that a lot of these new podcasts that are being spun up uh, in recent years are these kind of banter casts, um, which kind of take their inspiration from people like mm-hmm. Joe Rogan. It's these kind of relaxed and informal conversations that kind of go on for half an hour, an hour, two yeah. hours. Um, and, you know, people like Rogan can make that work, but I think there's the perception that people get when they watch it that, oh, anyone can do it, I can just wing it, and it'll be a perfectly great show. Um, but in your view, what are the components that need to be there to make a, a format like that actually work uh, that doesn't bore listeners to death? Well, for that, what you call a banter cast, uh, and what I call two dorks with microphones, and, and I've called it that since okay. the beginning because I used to do a show that was two dorks with a microphone, so I have, I have carte blanche to say that. <laughs> the way to be successful is, of that is, is one of two ways. Uh, one, be Joe Rogan. You know, have (laughs) 11 million people that are connected to you, have a huge celebrity base, and have people who are just fanning over all the things that you say. If you're a celebrity and you bring a platform of listeners with you, you can do whatever you want. You don't have to follow any rules or best practices. You just do stuff and your people will happily lap it up. That's what they do. The other way to do it is, well... You know, that's the hard way to do it because step one, have 11 million fans or whatever Joe Rogan's gigantic number is. Uh, The other way to do that is really focus in on the craft. Give your people something to listen to. It's very easy to rise above the din of the other two dorks with microphone shows because most of them, like most other podcasts, are garbage. But still, it's difficult to get attention. It's difficult to get people to, to know that you're doing that. 
So if your intention is to just grab you and your buddies and hang out and talk about whatever comes across your mind, that's fine. Please do it. We've got plenty of room in the infinite digital sea for you to do that. Don't expect people to listen because you're not giving them a reason to listen. The shows that get the most attention these days are highly focused, they produce excellent value, and they give people who have no idea who the hell the hosts are some level of value. Because that, that's really it. You've got to produce value. You've got The exchange here is I am a listener and giving you my time. And I'm not mm-hmm. just going to give my time to anybody. It has to be worth my time. And if I don't know who you are, you better have such compelling content that I can't help but listen to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's, that's great advice for anyone that's, that's thinking of getting involved to, to really focus in on the value. And I think with more and more businesses that are now incorporating podcasts into their marketing strategy, I know you you work with businesses, that's what you do. Um, what would be your advice to, to businesses if they're thinking, oh, other people are starting, <clears throat> excuse me, other, other people are starting a podcast, we want to start a podcast as well. Uh, what what would be your primary advice to them before they get started? Be realistic in, in what you're doing. Again, there are hundreds of thousands of shows out there right now. And if your expectation is that you're going to achieve hundreds of thousands of listeners just by putting a podcast out there, understand that that's not true. Just be very mm. realistic in your expectations. Businesses should start podcasts because they already have an audience of people, customers perhaps, prospects perhaps, and they can demonstrate and showcase how smart they are as a business. That's kind of the primary overarching rule of why a business should have a podcast if they really do have something to say. Mm. But just understand mm. that there there aren't people waiting with their podcast listening apps for your business to launch a podcast. They have no idea. Mm. It's just like any other form of content marketing. You may have put all the energy and effort you can possibly muster into your content. People aren't going to flock to it until they know about it. You still have to do content marketing. This is just content marketing. It's nothing more than content marketing. People need to understand that. There is not a built-in user base. This isn't YouTube. There is no recommendation engine that is powering podcasting. There is no algorithm like there is on Facebook where it might it, mm. you know, engender you to go get lots and lots and lots of followers so that it shows up in there. That's not how podcasting works. Most podcasts, mm. you got to remember, the average number of downloads a podcast episode gets after 30 days is in the low 100, like 130. That's it. Mm. So does your business benefit of having 130 listeners? Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. But then again, does your business benefit from having 130,000 listeners? You might think that it actually does, but does it really? Could you handle 130,000 brand new clients for your business? You really got to think about these things. You know, there there is no immediate pot of gold at the end of the rainbow for podcasting. It's hard work. It's great content, and and done properly, I think it can really help your business overall but you're probably not going to be the the world's greatest podcaster out of the gate, business owner. Yeah, um, I think one of the things I've heard you speak about before is uh, there's it's often easy to fall into the trap of rigidly focusing on your download numbers yeah. and a lot of businesses that start podcasts, they kind of, they're, they're rushing back to check their download numbers with, with every episode and if the download numbers aren't increasing, there's a kind of, 
there's a frustration or they lose the motivation to continue right. with it. But one of the points you raised was that instead of focusing on the download numbers, you should be concentrating instead on the number of new opportunities that a podcasting exposes mm-hmm. to you and always being willing to take your podcast in new directions that you're not necessarily anticipating at the beginning of the process. Yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, I, I talk about that quite a lot. It, it It's the opportunity to get on stage and speak to 100 people every week or every other week, whatever it happens to be. Mm-hmm. You know, f- forget podcasting. If you were able to do that, if you, if you knew that every Wednesday at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, you could walk down to the town square and waiting for you to get up on stage were 100 people in the audience. That would be awesome. I mean, most businesses that I know, most small businesses that I know, would love to have that kind of an opportunity. What you wouldn't worry too much about is, was my audience 102 episode, or 102 people last week and now it's only 98? You wouldn't worry about that. We still have 90 to 100 people out there. You'd find ways to talk to those people. You'd find ways to encourage those people to interact with your business and find ways to track whether or not what you're saying matter to those 100, 200, whatever the number is. You'd find opportunity. You'd, you'd, you would know whether or not that you were saying the right things that those people wanted to hear over and over again and how it impacted your business. Mm-hmm. That's the real power of podcasting because your business doesn't grow because you grew your show from 100 to 300 listeners. There's zero extra mm-hmm. dollars you get for every listener. You extract value from your audience by giving them value so they come and do business with your company. Hmm. Yeah, it makes perfect sense when you frame it like that, but I think it's not necessarily the way that most people in- intuitively approach approach yeah. the problem. Um, I think one of the other points you mentioned, and I think myself as a podcast listener, I've been listening to podcasts for uh, a lot of years now. Uh, I first got into it with the Ricky Gervais sure. podcast, and then from there, um, I kind of listened to more and more shows. But part of the problem I have as a listener is that there is a, a lack of curation, and it's difficult to sift through all the audio content that's out there. Um, there is no clear system for doing that, and that's one of the biggest barriers to entry, I feel, for people who haven't engaged with the medium up until this point. And I was just wondering, uh, in your opinion, do you think that there is a solution to that problem? Is there some kind of AI or some kind of bit of technology that can make this curation problem, uh, take it and solve it, basically, and make it easy for listeners to find the content that is right for them? I think there's going to be a lot of solutions to this problem. But one thing I want to point out is that it's not a unique problem just to podcasting. It's a it's a problem that every person who makes digital content shares. I mean, every business owner who has a podcast, they would love to rank number one in Google for some keyword that they select. Everybody would love that, right? If I if I have a business that that I sell pencils, I want to be number one when somebody searches for the word pencils. But you know what? There are another 5,000 companies out there who also want to be number one when I search for pencils. So that means Google, or other search engines, but we mean Google, Google has its own algorithms to figure out how they should best curate that particular content. That's kind of up to them. Then they publish some guidelines so that business owners can follow. But the thing about it is it's a spiral. If every business owner, if all 5,000 pencil companies followed the Google instructions, how's Google going to know which one should be ranked first? You know, it's, it, is, it is a significant challenge, which is why I say that it's going to take several different 
approaches. I'm, I'm excited when, when apps, like podcast apps, get on the bandwagon and start doing some sort of curation, much as Apple Podcasts is doing today, as well as other apps as well. They're, they have an editorial team who is going through and surfacing content. Now, the challenge is they're surfacing content that is of value to everyone, not individuals. Mm-hmm. I think they will get smarter eventually as they start, hopefully they will start, listening or, I guess, understanding the data that their app gives to them so they can make some personalized recommendations. But that's a problem, especially in the GDPR world we live in today. How much data mm-hmm. is too much? Data we know can give a much more personalized experience, but at what cost? We're, we're trying to mm-hmm. figure that out, and that's a, that's a never-ending battle. I'm also excited mm-hmm. by uh, content curators out there who have their own newsletters. There are probably a dozen or so newsletters that are curated. You know, every week or a couple of times a week, a new newsletter goes out that says, here are the top shows that someone has chosen to listen to. These are critics mm. who, are, who are making their own recommendations for people. They then build their own audience so that their audience can listen to their recommendations and say, yeah, I like this person or no, I don't. So there's not a really simple solution. It's going to be a little bit AI. It's going to be a lot of human curation. And then I think it's a lot of UX, a lot of user experience to where we're presenting information to people in a way that, that they want and, and they're going to consume. It's definitely a, a, a mm. nonstop problem. We'll always have it. Yeah. Yeah, it's just it seems like it's a bit of a shame that podcasting is lagging behind stuff like uh, video, especially YouTube. The recommendation algorithm is so good. Um, I'm hoping in future we can maybe not have an exact replica of the YouTube algorithm, but something that is uh, makes it easier for people to dip their toe in the water uh, and get started with We podcasting. probably could have had that, but podcasting took a very different route. I mean, podcasting predates YouTube. I was podcasting before mm-hmm. there was a YouTube. But the reason YouTube can do it, which is Google, by the way, the reason YouTube can do it is all of the content lives on YouTube's servers. When people listen to, when people log into YouTube to watch videos, they've got personal data from the users and they've got all of the content loaded up by the, by the providers as well. That's not how it works in podcasting. We chose early on in podcasting to not do that. We wanted a decentralized uh, system where it was up to the podcast owner to host the content somewhere, and it was up to the app maker to then reference that content via our RSS feeds. So no one own the only person that owns the content is us, the podcast creators. If we were uploading content to Apple, and we're not, no matter what people think, we do not upload content to Apple. But if we did that, mm. if Apple would have said, look, we're your hosting company, or maybe, I don't know, Spotify decides we'll be your hosting company, which, by the way, is a prediction of mine, then that changes the game because now Spotify holds the day, holds the actual content as well as holds the user and can track all their activity within the app. That's when mm. it gets a lot more interesting. Mm. Yeah, well, hopefully, um, well, it definitely, whatever happens, it will be interesting within the next three to five years to kind of see what does become um, of Spotify entering the market in the way it has um, and kind of shaking things up with Apple. Um, one of the other things that I've noticed as a podcast listener in recent years is uh, some creators are moving towards this kind of uh, listener support model. Um, so one of the most notable ones of the podcast that I listen to is Sam Harris and his Making Sense podcast. Um, and he's managed to make this listener support model where people pay um, on 
at whatever level they, they feel comfortable paying for. And then they get access to all this additional bonus content um, and additional extras that paid subscribers get. Um, but I was just wondering whether you think that that is something that will only work for a tiny percentage of uh, content creators or whether that's something that moving forward will become something that podcasters can hope to replicate um, more widely. I think anybody can use that model as as long as a couple of things happen. One, and you hit it on the head, the reason people choose to support Sam's show is most of them are wanting the extra content. So extra Mm -hmm. content is great and people will, and I've seen it many, many times over, people will pay, some people will pay to get that extra content. However, it does mean you have to make extra content. And it's not just free money. You are going to have to create Mm. additional content. And that's hard. A lot of podcasters talk about ways to spend less time making their podcast. Not more time. Less time making their podcast. So now they've got a possible revenue stream that requires more time. And if Mm. their listening audience is in the low hundreds of their regular podcast... If only, if even if 10% of the people come along and say, yeah, I'll pay for that, then that's 10 listeners who are willing to pay the extra mm. 2 or $3 a month. So if it was $3, is $30 enough for you to go create new mm. content for them? I mean, I know mm-hmm. that for my nine minute, or less than 10 minute show I do, it takes me about three hours per episode. So I guess if I valued me at you know ten bucks an hour, <laughs> maybe that's a great deal, <laughs> but I don't. It's significantly higher than that. Yeah. So it's a trade-off. There is no doubt, and one of the things I'm most interested in is this direct support model, either for new content mm-hmm. or just people who are big fans who want inside access or stickers or something else. There's a lot of opportunities where people are, can get paid for their product. But again, the thing you have to remember podcaster is are you in podcasting to make money directly from your podcast where your podcast itself is a revenue driver or are you making money because of your podcast i've never made a dime directly from my podcast i well i I shouldn't say that i have i have a handful of patreon fees i've been playing with and if some people buy me a coffee that's fine but it's it's chump change (laughs) where i make money and where my clients make their money is because of the podcast because of the things we're doing out there, because we're pushing this information out, it causes people to say, yes, I want to do business with that person, that entity, because of the things they said on the show, here's my money. That is the better, especially for businesses, that's the better play. For individuals, for indies who are having fun, I don't know what they can do with that. It, it may just be a fun thing. And if it's a fun thing, just you know, mm. let it be a fun thing. You don't have to make money on it. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Um, so obviously, I'm just mindful of your mm. time here, and I just wanted to kind of wrap wrap things up with getting your. You've mentioned some of them already with Spotify, but just getting your key predictions for how you think the the industry is likely to grow and change over the coming. Well, year. Well, there's a lot that's going to happen, and there's a lot that has happened. So, and and I have no crystal ball. I, I'm going to make sure everybody understands that a lot of the predictions I make are mm-hmm. are pretty obvious things. Like it's it's not going to be a surprise when Spotify starts hosting podcasts. They bought Anchor which already is free mm-hmm. podcast hosting. They 
they already mm-hmm. allow artists, musicians, to upload their music directly to their servers. So that's that's a no-brainer, you know. And plus, bandwidth costs are effective, or, or storage costs and bandwidth are effectively zero for a company the size of Spotify. You know, adding in a, a few podcasts, a few hundred thousand podcasts, isn't going to make a big difference for them. So that's kind of kind of an easy one. Um, some other things that I think are on the market is I I still think we're going to find people who are going to make a, a much better app a much better podcast listening app that's not Spotify or Pandora or Google or Apple Podcasts. Uh, I think mm-hmm. somebody else is going to come along with some of the stuff you were talking about earlier, an idea of how we can get better curation happening. And one of the things they might do with that is they might onboard a whole bunch of editors. These people now that have their podcast newsletters, their recommendation engines that are going out, that might be the way. How do you get? How do we meld those people with that are the librarians out there, the curators of content? How do they work closely with these individual apps that are that are going to do something quite quite interesting? But I think the thing that I'm most excited about is an initiative by Radio Public. They're they're and it's called PodPass, I believe is what they call it, and that is what's going to enable anybody to subscribe to any sort of feed, even private feeds, even these. So, uh, listener support only feeds that you have to pay behind a paywall like you know Patreon or Substack or something else where there's a way mm-hmm. to make that easier to consume so we can kind of bridge the gap because there, there's a big technology gap podcasting still fails the grandmother test it is not easy to listen to so the the more the more we can make it approachable to brand new people I think the better that, that we will be what's really hard to do is figure out what that's going to look like in the future yeah, I suppose we'll just have to yeah, wait we and do. see. Um, uh, so thanks for that, Evo. And where can people check out your work and find out more about you? Well, since you're listening to this show, which is all about podcasting, you should be listening to Podcast Pontifications, podcastpontifications.com. Uh, if you are interested in the services I offer for businesses, that's at podcastlaunch.pro. And if you just want to see what my brain has to say at any given moment, Twitter is the best place to do that. I'm at Evo Terra. Great. Thanks for speaking with us, Evo. Thanks, James.